4: This is
5: the Tom Hartman Program. Trump's Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, has been recently criticized for saying that he wants to cut funding for military health benefits, for health care benefits for people who are active serving member, members of the military and for retired military. He wanted to cut the health care budget of the Pentagon. Now, keep in mind, the Pentagon just got the largest infusion of cash in history. And he wanted to cut that by $2.2 billion, which would definitely hurt nine and a half million active duty personnel, military retirees and their dependents. So why did he want to cut $2.2 billion out of military health care? Well, because he says those health care losses can be made up with private insurance. And he says that will eliminate inefficiencies. Because, you know, when the government provides health care to people, they're not skimming money off the top, they're just providing health care. But when private corporations are providing health care to people, they're skimming 10 20 30% off the top, putting it in their pocket, sharing it with their investors, spending money on marketing and advertising and everything else, and that's more efficient somehow, magically. Really? Trump realized that optically this was bad. So he tweeted on Monday, quote, a proposal by Pentagon officials to slash military health care by $2.2 billion has been firmly and totally rejected by me. We will do nothing to hurt our great military professionals and heroes as long as I am your president. Thank you. But Esper had actually already done this. Now, the question is whether he's able to carry it out. How this is gonna play out. People inside the Defense Department are not happy with this, frankly. They're, you know, hey, if they're Pentagon employees, if they're in the military, their health care just got cut. Why is Esper doing this? Well, it turns out it's the same reason DeJoy is taking multi-million dollar high-speed sorting machines that can do the work of 30 or 40 or 50 people hauling them out into the parking lot, cutting them up into scrap metal and throwing them in dumpsters. As we saw documented by a WOD TV in Grand Rapids by a reporter from Wood TV, showing the machine, showing the cables that have been cut. And yesterday DeJoy said, no, we're not going to reinstall those machines. They're gone. They're destroyed. And apparently 50, 60 of these machines have been destroyed so far. But they're doing the same thing in the Pentagon for the same reason. In Republican world, anything the government can do well for the people should be done by a for-profit corporation so that a billionaire can make a buck. That's literally what it comes down to. And it always has. In 1920, Warren Harding ran for president of the United States on the Republican ticket and his slogan was, less government in business, more business in government. Now think about that for a minute. Less government in business, deregulate. More business in government, privatize. Deregulate and privatize, increase profits, decrease oversight eliminate the protections for the average person, eliminate protections for workers, eliminate protections for consumers, eliminate protections for communities, eliminate protections for minorities, eliminate all these protections because they hinder profitability. And to the extent that government has got anything that people really love, Whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare, whether it's the Postal Service, whether it's the Department of Defense Health Service, the Veterans Administration, whatever it may be, pass it off to some billionaire who will kick money back to you in the form of campaign contributions to make sure that you get reelected. Or even better, the new scam that Trump is running that had only previously been run, I don't think it had ever been run by a president, but it had been run by members of Congress. Paul Ryan is one of the masters of this create a super PAC while you're in office, have your donors, these people that you gave the favors to pour millions and millions of dollars into those super PACs. And then after you retire from public life, you can use that money yourself. There are some small restrictions on how you can use it, but you know, Hey, if you want to buy a yacht and call it a business expense, no problem. You want to take your family on a world tour, you know, uh, uh, 50 days around the world for a couple you know, million dollars and, and use the, 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 the super PAC money. No problem. And Trump is doing that now. It's all about greed. It's all about extracting as much as you can from that institution that was created of, by, and for we the people our government. That institution that Ronald Reagan told us was the problem. Yes, it's the problem if you run an oil refinery. It's a problem if you want to break a union. It's a problem if you're a bank and you want to steal from your customers. Government becomes a problem then. Reagan was right. But if you want to be protected from these predators, these Republican billionaire predators, government is the only thing that can protect you. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. There is a candidate His name is Madison Cawthorn. He is running for a a Republican seat in North Carolina. Here's the story. This is from Huffington Post. A Republican congressional candidate in North Carolina first archived, then reinstated, and that's the key to this. I'll get to that in just a second, photos on his Instagram account from a 2017 vacation to Adolf Hitler's Eagle's Nest Retreat. After a recent news article about the Madison Cawthorne is the guy's name, in the caption for the Post, he wrote, The Vacation House of the Fuhrer, using, you know, the Fuhrer, not an official title. That's the, the word of, you know, that basically means beloved leader. Um, he said, Seeing the Eagle's Nest has been on my bucket list for a while, and it did not disappoint. The guy who's running against him, Democrat who's running against him, Mo Davis is his name, who's a former military prosecutor, replied on Cawthorne's Instagram post saying, Hitler's vacation retreat is not on my bucket list. And this Republican who did this, Cawthorn, he started a real estate company called SPQR, which is apparently a term popular among white nationalist groups. He uses an early version of the American flag, which has been the Anti-Defamation League says has been, quote, appropriated by far-right militias, end quote. And... What I thought was interesting was, you know, he had these pictures up of him, uh, you know, smiling, laughing, having a great time, uh, a wonderful time at Hitler's vacation retreat. And then he gets called out in the press and he takes the pictures down. And then a couple days go by and he puts the pictures back up again and says, I don't cower to the mob. The new Republican Party that I represent will fight back against liberal lies. So apparently, Hitler being a mass murderer is a liberal lie. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what else that means. But this is, as he said, the new Republican Party that I represent. This is Madison Cawthorn, this guy who's running in North Carolina for the U.S. House of Representatives, against Mo Davis, a Democrat. This is our Republican Party. I mean, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. Russ in Hickory Hills, Illinois. Hey, Russ, what's up? I
4: just wanted to know if you find this as amusing or disgusting as I did. You know, the usual from George Will, George Scarborough, or Jennifer Rubinette. Oh, they're just like Ronald Reagan would be appalled at the way this party is going. Oh, this guy.
6: Reagan would
5: love it. This is exactly what Reagan was heading towards. Privatize the whole damn government. they're talking about it. You know, they're talking about... Oh, he, he's turning over in his grave. in you know, Elaine Jordan, too. And
4: I'm thinking, right. this is the same guy who fired Pat Koch that started when I had a union job in 1970, fired every union member that government's bad yep. for you. This is bad. And now he'd be appalled the way Reagan, come on, I said, if he could, his thumb would be up through his grave going, yeah, I'm with you, boys. How, how disgusting yeah. this, this uh, Joe Scarborough is. He's a true Republican. I do all I can to watch that guy. I can't stomach the Kim.
5: He's a phony. And I guarantee you, after the election, when people start lobbying for Medicare for All, or even for a damn public option, you know, the, the ability to buy into Medicare, Joe Scarborough and we'll wait and see on the rest of the Republicans who are on MSNBC but certainly, Joe Scarborough will be out there going, "Oh, you know, we can't. We've, we've got to keep the insurance companies in this mix. I mean, they've got, you know, they're you got billionaires here who are, you know, at stake. I mean, we can't reduce the profits of these billionaires and multimillionaires. United Healthcare, you know, they've paid two CEOs over a billion dollars each. They've got a hundred employees who are making over a million dollars a year. You want to cut their revenue? Really? That's what Joe Scarborough is. Well, well, you know, Tom, I see the guy this week." Channel Seven,
4: a portfolio guy, and he even said it. He said, "You rich people have got to pay taxes because we are broke because of this pandemic. There's no two ways about it, and you're going to get Medicare for all." I've heard that now, yeah. now for the last year, Tom. Billionaires are going to have to yeah. pay their share because we this pandemic has just drained our economy. And Medicare for all, for the people, who don't like it. Some kind.
5: It's coming. Even uh, well, Medicare for all will save us a trillion dollars a year. I mean, it, 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 you know we're spending more than twice as much as any other country in the world for health care. We spend about two and a half trillion dollars a year on health care, and Medicare for all would cut that in half. I mean, it's, it's just it's just crazy. Uh, Russ, thank you for the call. Yeah, if we got the profit motive out of medicine and 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 basically had the government replace these insurance companies, we could all have good health care for half the cost. Glenn in Fall City, Washington. Hey, Glenn, what's up? Just trying to wrap my head around. Of course, none of us can wrap our heads around
2: conspiracy theorists and QAnons. But, uh, for example, I was in a conversation, air quotes there, and since I called Pizzagate a farce, this person said, well, you might actually be a pedophile yourself. So, like, of course, that's crazy. But what is the psychology of their, or maybe not the psychology, but their rhetorical tactics. And, you know, it seems like they can all be distilled down to things that I can look into just academically. And if you have any sort of reading or anything you'd recommend just to try to understand the, the wackiness around us.
5: There have been over the years, I mean, you know, over the last hundred years, numerous, thoughtful studies into you know, why conspiracy theories spread and how they spread. Both sociological and psychological explanation is absolutely fascinating. We developed religion back in the day as a way to explain the inexplicable. You know, why did that lightning bolt hit Ralph? last Thursday you know why did that flood wipe out our village you know we concluded there must be a reason to everything you can't just live your life assuming that just random crap happens all the time because you know then life becomes very very frightening And so we try to understand, we try to explain things. And so we came up with the idea that, oh, you know, the gods are fighting with each other up in the sky and Thor just threw a lightning bolt, you know, and it accidentally hit Ralph. Or later on, you know, that Jehovah or whatever is now pissed off at Ralph and threw a lightning bolt. As we got answers to those things better and better in the natural sciences, the power of religion to explain what's going on diminished. One of the things that's really fascinating about this, Glenn, I've worked in the Middle East, and I've worked back when I used to do international relief work, worked in a whole bunch of third world countries. And one of the things you find is that the more powerless people are, and the more marginalized they are, the more likely they cling to conspiracy theories or easily adopt conspiracy theories. And I think it's because they're trying to do the same thing that conspiracy theories are filling the same role in their lives that religion did, which is to say, here's the explanation. If I can't figure out why I can't earn a living, why nobody will hire me, why the economy is going to hell, why it seems like things aren't working in my life, it's a lot easier to say, oh, it must be because, you know, the government has been taken over by fill in the blank, right? Uh, Jews, Mm -hmm. African-Americans, Bilderbergers, aliens from the planet Xenu, than it is to dig deep and figure out that, you know, this is really something that, you know, billionaires like Charles Koch have been working on for 40 years or 60 years. You know, rather than doing the hard work of actually understanding how, you know, why things are and how they got this way, it's a lot easier to simply buy into a conspiracy theory. And so the people who are the least well-informed and the least likely to have any kind of scientific background or understanding or any training, frankly, in critical thinking or scientific process, you know, the scientific systems, are the most likely to adopt conspiracy theories. And I think that that really clearly defines the QAnon crowd, you know, they're on the bottom of the pile economically, generally speaking, they're on the bottom of the pile in terms of at least they perceive themselves to be at the bottom of the pile. You know, these are generally low-income white people you know who are trying to figure out you know hey i'm supposed to have white privilege what happened to me why am i not a rich guy well it's got to be that there's you know this deep state that's preventing you from doing it and they're collaborating with a bunch of democrats who like to drink the blood of children i mean that's how this stuff comes out glenn thank you for a great question and you know sadly our job. If you want to blow up the conspiracy theories, we just need to explain why you know, to these to these QAnon folks. Here's why, you're, why your life sucks. It has to do with Reaganomics. Listening to Tom Hartman.
4: Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
5: You don't need a deep state to explain this stuff. It's fairly straightforward and it's fairly easily documented. We'll be right back. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS
7: 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
5: Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. So do you think that people are waking up to the scams that the GOP has been running for years and years? I'm personally... Very interested in seeing a systemic awakening, a broad awakening across America. Not just, a, oh my God, Donald Trump is terrible. Oh my God, he, you know, he let 170,000. I mean, by Labor Day, it's going to be 200,000 Americans die, and six million Americans get infected with a disease that that uh, causes people to lose their limbs. The new report this morning about these giant uh, kind of clotted plugs that people are getting in major arteries and veins that are feeding the blood to their legs and arms that are causing amputations, um, causing uh, dementia, you know, from strokes uh, that, and this is in young, healthy people, by the way. Uh, in, in fact, when these, when these kind of things happen in older people, that's a sign that they're about to die. But in young, healthy people, hey, you just cut off the leg or, you know, they'll just be demented or they'll have to, you know, limp for the rest of their lives or whatever it may be. You know people are getting that and they're blaming it on trump and and they're blaming the republicans for supporting him but i would like to see an awakening that's much deeper than that that the american people realize that the gop has been running a scam on them on behalf of very very wealthy people since 1921 and that that's and 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 you know Franklin Roosevelt outed that scam. He called these people out. He named them. He said they they hate me, and I welcome their hatred. Uh, he said, you know, they tell me that uh, they're going to have to leave the country because my taxes are too high. I will miss my friends. He has said. Uh, you know Franklin Roosevelt. He he took them on head on. But then you know we had the Eisenhower years, and then Jack Kennedy came along, and let's all just work together. And after the Barry Goldwater blowout in 1960. Uh, Republicans kind of, you know, calmed down a little bit and, you know, it really wasn't until 1980 that the scam got revived in a big way with the Reagan revolution. And now here we are 40 years into this experiment of Reaganism that has gutted our middle class and, and working people and devastated poor people, created an explosion of homelessness. And the Republicans continue to try to run this con of, you know, balanced budgets and small government and personal responsibility, all of which are catchphrases for maintaining a white supremacist, wealthy elite power structure in this country. And I'm very hopeful that Americans will start figuring it out soon. Kerry in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Hey, Kerry, what's on your mind today?
8: All right. So you, you raise a fascinating and actually very complicated
5: question, I think. I just finished Fromm's book, which is absolutely brilliant. I think it's Trumpocalypse. His new and book, yeah, I haven't. I don't have a copy of it. I haven't seen it. Oh, you should Tell read it. About he, he, he's brilliant. Um, and he, he addresses
8: maybe 90% of the things that you address. But then there's that 10%, which is, you know, going forward, how do we, you know, recognize the scam? He doesn't address that at all. It's, it's, the book is brilliant, like I said. Is he lying or is he, Is he just not aware of it? I don't know. It's hard to say, but he does say about the 30% of the population who are cult followers that we have to deal with them. You know, I avoid them. I try to, (laughs) it's just Mm. pointless, but he says they're of us and we still have to incorporate them and we have to incorporate conservative ideas. Um,
5: you know, I don't I don't know how I, there's, there's a, you know, a, Carrie, a, I don't have a problem if a politician wants to say that he that he or she thinks that taxes should be lower on rich people and corporations, that poverty is a moral failing and that they don't want there to be social programs like Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. Prior to the Reagan Revolution, Republicans used to say that stuff out loud. Barry Goldwater went on the floor of the of the United States Senate in 1963, spoke out loudly against any kind of civil rights legislation. I mean, you know, they were right up front about who they were and what they were all about. They would occasionally couch it in terms like states rights. But, you know, they they were they were willing to be honest about who they were and who they were serving. Reagan turned it into a con. And that's what so offends me, frankly, Kerry, is that They're not willing to acknowledge who they are and what they're all about and it it disappoints me yeah yeah well there's there's no shortage of you know these former republican guys i mean we had the guy on uh, a week or so ago who wrote the book it was all a lie and and uh or no it was it was another one but you know basically what he said was i was lied to all the uh, you know all these years by these republicans and 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 these so-called conservatives and and uh, you know, and he ended our interview by saying, you know, the billionaire, the problem of right wing billionaires is worse than you realize, and I'm sure that that's all true. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today?
6: Hey, not too much, Tom. I want to answer your question: If uh, you know the general populace will ever, you know, uh, be aware of the of the Republican scam, the short answer mm-hmm. is no. I don't. I don't think so, because I'll tell you why. You have to think of it in terms of evolution. And I can give you an example from nature, and then I can give you a real world current example. All right, Um, Mm -hmm. an example from nature would be like cetaceans, whales, right? They have their own, they evolved in 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 an ecosystem that was different. All right. uh, the, the last common ancestor of all cetaceans was Apachocetus. We believe it was Apachocetus, pa- a which was like a, a dog, which was like a canine, a pack animal, all right, that lived on land, Then it evolved to live in the water. And then um, if, you, and if you think about it, all right, you, you mentioned Ronald Reagan a lot. Reagan is kind of the father of the modern uh, conser- conservative thought. But Reagan and, and, and Nixon are different than Trump. Trump is like, they're more like narwhals. They're, they're whales that stay in their own little sub habitat. Like, a narwhal cannot go out of the Arctic, right? Trump, on the other hand, wants to be an alpha predator of all the whales. He wants to go out into the deep water. He wants to be involved with international oligarchs. All right, and all these oligarchs, the Republican Party is like an essential organ of, of these oligarchs. These oligarchs are, are like whales. They evolved in a different ecosystem. And case in point, if you look recently, like what's going on in Belarus, um, Alexander Lukashenko, he wants help from Vladimir Putin. All right. But he's not getting it because Russia has changed. They changed after their interference in the last election. They are now going to the militaries of these dictators or these autocrats. They're going, they're influencing the military. They did it in Sudan and they're going to do it in Belarus right now. The media and they're doing it in the United States. What does that
5: mean, Dave, going to the military? What are you talking about? Okay, Do you mean they're getting they're the military is- to support Lukashenko and and trash the people, or they're going to get the military to overthrow Lukashenko and replace him with somebody who's uh, you know still f- friendly to Russia but less uh, you know volatile uh, electorally?
6: Here's what the Kremlin and Beijing have figured out: the, the last um, the last autocrat they they directly helped was Trump. In Sudan, they went to the military. Alright, what they did is they, they got the military, they, they influenced generals in, in Sudan to, um, you know, to basically maintain order, social order. It's Donald Trump's law and order. Order is the word that worries me the most, alright. Lukashenko himself is irrelevant, but he knows. He told Putin that NATO is encroaching on Belarus. Alright, he's trying to tempt He's trying to get me. He's trying to. to, to right. Code. He's
5: been he's been saying that NATO is moving forces onto his border, you know, out of Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. I get and Poland. I get that. Yes. Um, and what but, and what they're
6: doing in America is they're they're probably they're likely they know which generals are politically correct. I mean, from their point of view, they know which elect- corruptible and elect- Anthony Tata. Anthony Tata, they did a, a, a very unorthodox, bottom line is Trump was not going to let him dismiss him as the undersecretary of defense for, for policy in the Pentagon. That's a very important job. That's, that's uh, what the neocon, um, uh, oh, um, you know, the neocon that worked with George Bush. I, I, his name escapes me right now, but you know who I'm talking about. That is a very important job. And they were not, because Tata is, um, you know, he, he said that um, Obama's a secret Muslim. He believes the Black Lives Matter movement. Inter- uh, oh, know, this, is the, Democratic this Democratic. is the guy
5: who, who just failed in getting Senate confirmation? Is that what you're talking about?
6: Yes. Yeah, so what they did is they made him the assistant to the undersecretary. So in other words, right, tried- a
5: position that doesn't require Senate confirmation. So Dave, I got to move along here. You want to uh, summarize your point, please?
6: The Republican Party is an absolute essential organ to oligarchs. Uh, they're an absolute right.
5: Well, they have been all along. I mean, they have been since the 1920s. Uh, Warren Harding was pretty upfront about it. Uh, and, and, and Reagan, if you look at his actions rather than his words, he was quite upfront about it, too. But I get what you're saying, and uh, I absolutely agree with it. Thank you very much for the call. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up?
9: For those who would reduce the broth to stone soup, they should have no voice on this program. And, you know, it doesn't really matter who the president is. It's the lesser of two evils. Both parties do it. You know this crap. Um, an article I saw this, this uh, weekend was, you know, we know as a conservative, we know that Trump's no good, but we just can't say what Joe Biden's cognitive capacities might be. And therefore, you know, this college says the, it's the only thing that matters is who is the Senate majority leader. See, that's reducing the broth to stone soup. No, it matters it. who the president is. It matters who the Senate majority leader is. It matters who the Speaker of the House is. And it matters who sits on the Supreme Court. They all matter. We're not reducing yep. the broth to stone soup.
5: Yep. Yeah. I'm with you, Paul. Absolutely with you. And expect to hear over the next few months now. Expect to hear a lot of first time callers calling into this show and saying whatever they have to say to Joyce to get on the air, and then coming out and saying, "Oh, you know, they're essentially, you know, what you just uh, quoted our earlier caller is saying." And these are trolls. These are Republican trolls, or these are people who are dancing to the tune of a foreign power. And we have to deal with them as trolls, and we have to reject their their trolldom, uh, as it were, because it's just it's just so very very wrong. Paul, thank you. Very very well said, Mayor in Allentown, Pennsylvania. You're on the air.
0: I called the Lehigh County, which is in Pennsylvania. and not the, in New Jersey, as some people may assume. Uh, yeah, I called the voter registration person in Lehigh County and asked her about how mail, mail-in voting is going to work. And she said, we're sending out the ballots at the end of September. And somebody brought up a brilliant point about postmarks on your show. And I said, well... Um, what about postmarks? And she said, you know, that's in discussion. We're having a meeting this afternoon. So that's she said that's still up Hmm. in the air. Hmm. But I had this idea. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah. And there are no drop boxes in Pennsylvania or in in my county, at least the only place you could drop your your ballot. Mayor, Mayor, heads up. We only have 15 seconds,
5: so we're going to hit a hard break here. So you might want to make your point.
0: Here's my here's my uh, question for Congressman. Couldn't they use their unlimited franking rights to send the ballots out? Just a thought.
5: Oh, that's interesting. Um, no, they yeah. couldn't, and the reason they couldn't is because franking rights like that is federal, and what you're talking about is state. You know, it is an intriguing question. I mean, it would take a small piece of legislation to simply require the post office to carry all ballots at no charge whatsoever, and then submit the bill to the federal government, which makes a lot of sense. And franking is only available to federal officers. It's not uh, office holders. It's not available to uh, state office holders. Dan in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind?
9: You're talking about how the uh, Republican Party is kind of going through a revolution right now as far as, uh, you know, they're going to try to pull their old tricks again. Um, I think a lot of the old Republican guard actually switched over to the Democratic Party, you know, like Scarborough and what. And, you know, Pelosi and Schumer wouldn't be considered Democrats back in the day either. Very rich people that are very powerful. So um, I wanted to get your take on that. Maybe all the Republicans are moving from the Republican Party over to the Democratic Party to pull it right.
5: Yeah. I think that whether this is intentional or not, I think that what is happening is a. Uh, the, 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 these Republicans, these conservatives, this, the Steve Schmidt conservatives, let's call them. Well, let me give you a little backstory here. In 1932, in the election of 1932, Franklin Roosevelt—you know—it was just an absolute screaming blowout. He had, you know, more than two thirds of the House, more than two thirds of the Senate were Democratic. The Republican Party was in tatters, and in the Democratic Party, with the single exception of of the so-called conservatives who were the Southern racist Democrats, uh, who were still tolerated in the Democratic Party, but setting them aside for a moment, which I realize is like you know, swallowing a horse, but nonetheless, setting that aside, by and large, the party purged itself of so-called conservatives, of the Herbert Hoover conservatives, of the people who wanted to deregulate the banks, who wanted to deregulate Wall Street, as Herbert Hoover had done, well, actually, as Warren Harding has had done, that brought about the great crash. They purged the Democratic Party of these fools. What I'm seeing happening right now is a bunch of these republicans who have been running these kinds of cons on america for years and years and gotten very very good at it uh, and and i would i would point you to the guys who are running the lincoln project for example are essentially Putting themselves inside the Democratic Party because they realize that what we're probably going to see in this election, barring massive, you know, election fraud on the part of uh, Trump and, and the Republican Party, what we're probably going to see is something like the 1932 election, which is a blowout. The Republican Party is going to be a shell of itself. It's going to be worse than it was in 1976 and 78, uh, you know, uh, after Nixon. And as a result of that, these guys are trying to establish that they are going to become the new, quote, conservative wing of the Democratic Party and shift the Democratic Party to the right. That's what I think is going on, Dan. And I hope the Democratic Party doesn't buy it. The fact that they've got John Kasich speaking at the DNC today, who is a open conservative Republican who is on the record as wanting to privatize Medicare and turn Medicare over to the big insurance companies, turn Social Security over to the big New York banks. He has been a creature of the big New York banks and the the major Republican Party funders his entire career. You know, he talks nice, but he's basically a sleazy right wing conservative Republican and has been his whole political career. And he's going to be speaking at the DNC tonight. That shocked me when that was rolled out. And what it tells me is that people like Kasich... Realize they want to continue to hold power. They want to continue to be able to serve their masters, the billionaires like Charles Charles Koch and other right wing billionaires who fund them. And the only way they will be able to do that effectively in the future, effectively enough that that people, you know, the big funders will give them big money, is within the Democratic Party. And so they're they're just changing their their spots, as it were. Does that make sense? Right. Well yep, at least AOC gets
9: sixty seconds. So, you know, that's that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. We should be grateful for small gifts, right? Or, uh, I think AOC is getting more than sixty seconds, isn't she, Dan? No, I think it's just sixty, it's a pre recorded sixty second message. Just in just a minute. Really?
9: Wow. Yeah, so it's a slap wow. in the face. This whole convention is a slap in the face progressives, but I digress. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Well, you know, for the moment, we're going to have to suck it up because something more important than the fate and future of the Democratic Party is at at stake, and that's the fate and future of the entire damn country. Dan, thank you for the call. Are Americans going to wake up to this personal responsibility scam that Republicans have been running? We're listening
4: to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video
5: archives. Or is the GOP going to continue to get away with this going forward? Or is the, you know is it going to be adopted by a large faction of the Democratic Party? Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's up? I just want to make a shout out to Ed Markey. I'm kind of disgusted that my congressperson,
3: Pelosi, is backing Kennedy. I guess it's those old families. Instead of Markey's been there. and I wonder if it's because she's insulted because he wasn't part of that Green New Deal. But, I mean, I, what would happen if Rokana if you asked him if he could go put his voice out there for Shahid Buttar? I mean, this yeah. is
5: ridiculous. I'm
3: yeah, sorry. I, I just I, had to get that out I, there.
5: I, yeah, thank you, Jeff. I, it concerns me. I, you know, I don't live in Massachusetts. I don't follow the race that closely. But Ed Markey is a good man and a good progressive. He yeah. is. And uh, and and Joe Kennedy, eh, you know, he's okay. But you know, I don't get it. It's like let's bring back the Kennedy dynasty. We're going to position this guy to be the next Teddy. Or I just don't know the logic here, and it and it concerns me. It, it troubles me. I, I agree with you, Jeff. Thank you, Donnie in Lincolnton, North Carolina. Hey, Donnie, what's on your mind today?
3: Hi, how are you doing, Tom? I just want to let you know I'm a 42-year veteran of the Postal Service. I'm now retired for six years. I worked in the General Post Office in Manhattan for mm-hmm. 20 years in processing and distribution, and I worked the last 22 years of my career on Roosevelt Island, which is the most, as a, as a window clerk, the most diverse place on the planet, I must say. 20% mm-hmm. of the people work for the United Nations. Kobe Annan used to work there. I, what I wanted to say was when you want to put stamps on business reply mail for like voting that really will not get processed any quicker because what happens what happens is the barcodes on those letters take it to the machines immediately it supersedes the postage the postage will get Yeah that's handled. what I figured. You know that, that that's and and the other thing is at, when I started working there from all the way from 8th Avenue to 9th Avenue there were aisles and aisles of manual places where people used to process the mail hundreds of people that was all gone by 1980 there is no way that you can manually process the meal anymore because it was automated 1980, because it went on automation yes and that's why they put the barcodes on
5: and, and, and now they're destroying Europe. 671 machines sorting machines high-speed sorting exactly. machines
3: exactly you can't these optical sorting they go they just go so fast there's no they they, they gutted that whole manual aspect and getting back to what you said with david sirota about the board of governors back a few years ago they had fedex they contracted with fedex to use fedex airplanes to deliver express mail and then they put fedex boxes in front of the post offices when those express mails failed because they didn't meet the standard on the the, the delivery standard on the fedex airplanes because it was in their interest to fail the people would come out of the post office and see the fedex box and they'll say well next time i'm going to use fedex and the other thing that and because, Fed, because express mail is guaranteed, not only does the post office land up delivering it, but you get a refund. So right. it's a double hit right. on the post office. So again, Amazing. this is the kind of the, the things that the Postal Board of Governors have been doing for a long, long time. I started originally in 1970. I had a break in service, so I've seen, I've seen, I've seen how the, the evolution of this has happened. And I used to tell the customers on roosevelt Island, what they were doing i mean i'm legendary on that island
5: yeah that's <laughs> so, great yeah you know, that's that great. the island
3: that hillary clinton launched her campaign if you remember um, i do remember you know, yeah. but
5: yeah i just donnie just, thank just you thanks for you know, sharing this, this thanks for sharing your story with me
8: so
5: yeah i i, I totally okay, get thank it you, thanks Tom. a lot for the story good talking to you mike in hope sound florida hey mike what's up
9: Hey, it's the back-to-back coastal workers, Tom. I, I also was an employee, but I was in charge of actual dispatch on platform of a GMF down in South Florida. And I can tell you that no matter what time of the year, everybody needs to understand this, um, that every piece of mail is, tr- is, is attempted to get out not just during the day, but on one particular dispatch in the morning. We have a 530 or a 430 dispatch when all first class and priority and express and certified mail everything is prioritized to get on those trucks and the only thing that's left behind if we don't have room is bulk mail which is media mail or uh, you know junk mail basically they call it right. but it's bulk mail now i also heard this last week that they were trying to assess political mail now as as bulk mail or change that rate, which is another. They did it. They did it a week
5: ago. Louis DeJoy issued yeah. an, essentially an order that going forward, uh, mail would be, would be uh, treated based on the rate that was paid. And states have been paying a third-class rate, and the post office has offered first-class service to political mail as, you know, kind of respect for our voting system. But DeJoy said stop that, and that stopped last week. And not
9: only that, But he also said that uh, we're not going to – a lot of the post office that come forward said we're not even going to document where that mail is and how much we have. So because it's bulk mail, you kind of lose track of it. Right, because they don't have to with
5: third-class mail.
9: Yeah. And when I was working platform and in charge of dispatching trucks, we had to sign and seal these trucks. And your job was on the line if there was any delay or any falsification or any problems. And the employee at the base level, Tom, could file a report saying – There's um, delay of the mail, which is a federal crime. Even at a small level, if you say the supervisor made you keep this cage of priority mail or letters behind for no other reason than they were holding it, and you don't know why. It never really happened, but if there was delay of the mail, it was treated very seriously by employees. It's a federal crime, Mike. Oh, of course, and it's in the Constitution. Well, now, when you brought up Robert uh, um, Duncan... As much as I know and as much as I'm an advocate, I hadn't even heard about this guy till you mentioned him today, so you can imagine how infuriated I am. I'll be posting and spreading this information as much as possible. But a lot of people have asked me, well, does it affect Republicans, too? Well, the point of chaos for this group is chaos, just like was said in 1984. The point of torture is torture. So anything that's chaos promotes Republicans.
5: Well, and here's the numbers. This is from the MU Law poll, Mike. Uh, Among those who say they will vote by mail, 81 percent support Biden, 14 percent support Trump. I mean, that tells you everything. That tells you everything. Rob in Fairfax, California. Hey, Rob, what's on your mind?
7: Hi, Tom. I wanted to circle back to the point you made earlier uh, around the Republicans are just going to do it again. I've been listening a lot to things like uh, spokespeople from the Lincoln Project and some of these so-called traditional conservatives who are suddenly coming out in favor of uh, supporting Biden and Harris uh, because Trump is so awful. Um, And it strikes me that just like uh, their corporate cronies, they're looking for a bailout from the Democrats, from the monster that they created. So, you know, just like during the Bush economic disaster, Obama bailed them out. Um, Reaganomics and Grover Norquist's, uh, uh, you know, extorting Republicans with his requirement that they sign a pledge lest they get primaried so that he could shrink government to the point he could drown it in a bathtub. I don't think they are putting two and two together that those that shrinkage removed a lot of the checks and balances that enabled something like Trump to happen in the first place. Um, I mean, it, I'm, I love that they're going to vote for Biden and Harris, but. You know, they're, they are going to scam us. They're, they're playing the long game. Um, they're going to come back for bailouts when their failed you know, policies get us into trouble. Uh, and we're going to eat it up again. I mean, at the end of the day, the enemy of my enemy is still the enemy.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And and the, I mean, these. Let, let's keep in mind, these are people who were fine with George W. Bush when he was trashing the Constitution by by kidnapping people, torturing them and in some places killing them. They were fine with yeah. George W. Bush creating a private prison on, you know, in Cuba, uh, for God's sake. Uh, you know, yeah. they, they, they were fine with George W. Bush giving huge tax breaks to, to billionaires and giant corporations and then saying, you know, we've got to privatize Social Security. They were fine with George W. Bush kneecapping the post office, the two of five billion dollars a year for a decade. They were fine with, you know, uh, I I could continue. They were fine with Dick Cheney lying about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Uh, Do they really think that, you know, we're we're just going to go kumbaya when this is all over? Um, Yes. They realize that the entire country is facing an existential threat. Donald Trump represents fascism. He represents the end of the American ideal, the end of the American dream, period, full stop. And they're freaked out about that. And I get that. And I will I, I will create common cause with them to take down Trump. But I hope none of them think that after the election, I'm going to be sitting around going, gee, maybe we should be talking about, uh, you know, balanced budgets and smaller government and personal responsibility, all these BS weasel words that these guys have used for years and years. I am not going to go there. And frankly, I don't think most Americans are going to go there. Jacqueline in Anaheim, California. Hey, Jacqueline, what's up?
0: Hello, Professor Hartman. I'm I was watching the convention. I know you spoke about the young man, Braden Harrington, who had the stutter that um, Vice President Biden was helping in. Just, you know, comparing him with Trump, there's really no comparison, but just thinking about how he mocked that disabled reporter. Trump was just, he's just horrible. Joe Biden is just such a different just decent person and i was just i was just really impressed by that i wasn't surprised but i was impressed
5: yeah i think that was the main message you know about about joe biden is uh let's return to decency let's uh, you know let's turn away from this lying cheating philandering raping con man and and okay. and turn our turn our uh turn our country essentially over to uh, a truly decent human being and uh you know it's it's something that we need to be doing jacqueline thank you dave what's on your mind today
4: what do you think about making it more easier for people to vote and especially to vote early what do you think about like trump's people like someone like the boogaloo boys showing up like brown shirts and Doing, you know, like, in other words, I'll, the question would be, uh, do you think concerning the,
5: these uh, mailboxes is going to be a concern? Thank you. Yeah. I- yes, I do, Dave. And it's a good question and uh, not a concern troll question. <laughs> and, 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 you know, my take on this, uh, the Washington Post reported a little while ago that the RNC is hiring 50,000 people to be, quote, poll watchers. Now, the reason why this is consequential, and it might be something like we've never before seen in America, or at least not since the 80s, is that back in the 60s and 70s, the Republican Party would hire people like William Rehnquist, uh, who then later became the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, but a big, tall bear of a guy, white guy, to stand outside black, Hispanic, Native American polling places and basically loudly, loudly challenge people's right to vote. Uh, or force them into provisional ballots, which don't get counted. Democrats fought back, and they got a restraining order against the Republican Party for doing this nationwide. And that restraining order got renewed. in It, in the, it, it started in the late 70s or early 80s. It got renewed in the 90s, and it expired last year. Actually, it expired in the middle of 2018. But they haven't You know, in 2018, they didn't have a real coordinated effort around its expiration date. So this will be the first election in basically 30 or 40 years where the Republican Party legally can have, uh, you know, uh, tattoo covered bikers, off duty police officers in uniform, uh, you know, uh, right wingers uh, with AR-15s and open carry states standing at the polls loudly challenging voters. Now, that said, I think that the general mood of the Democratic electorate, the Democratic Party electorate, is screw those guys. You're not going to intimidate me. So I'm not as worried about it as I would have been in the past because I think so many people are so activated and so pissed off, but it is going to happen. It is actually going to happen. Sandra, thank you for the call and spot on. Chris in Port Washington, New York. Hey, Chris, what's up?
8: So, Tom, listen, I'm reading Larry Bartell's book, Unequal Democracy, and I find it incredibly uh, ironic that he cites this period in the 70s where corporates made a huge change from not being so politically active and not putting all their money behind candidates to becoming so at the same time when uh, you talk about the uh, Buckley uh, decision and the First National Bank Mm -hmm. of Boston decision, which sort of started the process, you know, and he goes on to no document how this period and how Reagan exacerbated it, whereby you know the uh, unequal uh, income distribution in the United States started, and I don't think it's any small coincidence that it's you
5: know right in line with those two decisions. But he doesn't seem to reference it though. But I don't I don't know why. That's un- that's unfortunate. Um, in, you know who wrote. The Powell memo was Lewis Powell. He was a lawyer for the tobacco industry at the time. That was in 1971. And he was the one who said, "Okay, guys, we need to create think tanks. We need to take over the media. We need to take over the colleges. We need to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, He kicked that off. The next year, Richard Nixon put Lewis Powell on the Supreme Court. And you know who was the principal author of the First National Bank versus Pilati decision that said that corporations can own politicians and it's considered free speech? Lewis Powell. Um, Yeah. Yep. Yep. Lewis Powell well, was know, the author of that decision. He voted for the Buckley decision. He authored the Bellotti decision, the First National Bank decision. And for a for an author to not connect those dots is almost malpractice. I mean, it's it's just, you know, I, I think it's so you know, obvious. It, it, It makes my
8: hair go Go on fire, too, when I talk about people who complain about, you know, watching out for progressives because of, you know, thinking about uh, uh, income redistribution. And meanwhile, it's happened on the other side of the field on an institutional basis to the degree, which is obviously unprecedented almost in our history. Yet they're completely blind to it. And it's happening right in front of their faces and our faces.
5: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Chris, thank you for the call. Myron in Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Myron, what's on your mind today?
4: Hey, how you doing? My Paul Revere That's warning against corruption there. I just wanted to okay, make a point doing... about uh, that that pension plan that was forced uh-huh. on the post office. The GOP parked that money there in advance so they can steal it once they privatized it, because they will then become the new managers of those accounts. So they I pre-planned agree. this years in advance just to keep that money there for the picking. Yep. So this, this is, what, was, this is know, one of the reasons why they want to get rid of the post office. It's, yeah. it's not just yeah. the, uh, the the voting, but they they also want to steal the, that pension plan that's parked there.
5: I agree. There's, there's tens of billions of dollars. I've seen different numbers, $80 billion, $110 million billion dollars. But there is a huge pile of money, and whoever privatizes the post office, Now, it might be Lewis DeJoy's company, you know, God only knows, but whoever privatizes the post office is going to make off with it, and that's their plan. Myron, thank you. Uh, Andy in Minneapolis. Hey, Andy, what's up?
2: Uh, hey, hey, Tom, I, I was, I'm hearing something, you know, about the post office and about, like you just talked about, the VA and, and the medical benefits, but there's another thing that's happening with with the uh, government where they're Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the agencies that run that. Just just the other day, they've announced that they're charging a half a percent fee. But well, basically, that fee is calculated on the loan amount. So if you have a $100,000 loan, that's a $500 fee that they're going to take regardless of of when you'd have the application you could apply today and that still will be charged, just came out of nowhere just the other day. And I think it harmed harm basically a lot of homeowners and payments, you know, just basically having charging more money just for a, a homeowner to get a lower payment, especially in these times. And my theory on that is... If they're going to take these fees, they're trying to get out of being under control. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, as everybody if I could recall, was put in under, under governmental control like about a decade ago from the financial crisis. And I think that this is a move to privatize and move that away from you know keeping the checks and balances on on these risky and predatory loans.
5: Could be. I you know I don't know the details of, of what you're talking about, Andy, but I will I will poke around and see what I can find. Um, but yeah, I, your, your theory makes a lot of sense to me. Andy, thanks a lot for the call and for the information. It's 45 minutes past the hour. We'll be back with more of your calls in just a moment. It's the Tom Hartman program. Talk media for the sane left among us. The numbers uh, seem to be growing, actually. I, I'm seeing a wave of sanity washing across America. It's a wonderful thing. You're
4: listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and
5: video archives. And back with your calls right after this. Hi, Tom Hartman here. Hey, my new book is out, The Hidden History of Monopolies, How Big Business Destroyed the American Dream. We're having a coronavirus-safe book tour. I'll be at Powell's Virtual Bookstore event in conversation with David Corton, Tuesday, August 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Go to Powell's.com and get your tickets for the live stream event. And on Friday, September 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, I'll be at a Town Hall Seattle virtual event. And you can get your tickets for that live stream event at townhallseattle.org. There are also links at tomhartman.com. I'll be taking you from the birth of America through FDR to the Reagan Revolution and today. In the foreword of my book, Ralph Nader says, this is the most important dynamic book on the cancers of Monopoly by giant corporations written in our generation, end quote. So be sure to go to TomHartman.com and sign up for one of these two great virtual book signings. Powell's in Portland and Town Hall, Seattle. Don't miss it and sign up now. Tag, your are it. Dion in Everett, Washington. Hey, Dion, thanks for listening to KBCS. What's up?
9: Hi, Tom. I'm just following up on an earlier caller who was talking about a, a, a secret organization that's funding leaders. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. he was referring to the family. Uh, that was, mm. uh basically uh there's a netflix series on right now
7: about it yeah that's it that's all i had
5: yeah yeah, uh, Jeff Charlotte is absolutely brilliant. He wrote this book, "The Family," about is uh, uh, it David Coe's organization, or maybe his first name isn't Coe, Doug Coe, Doug Coe's organization, and you know they sponsor the National Prayer Breakfast. They've got uh, this house in Washington D.C. where members of their cult, who are also members of Congress, can can live for very cheap, if not free, and uh, you know using their tax exempt status. I'm in the documentary, actually, uh, which is kind of cool. You can see it on Netflix. I think it's five weeks or five parts, you know, five one-hour shows, maybe four. And, uh, he, you know, he he has Jeff has been on this program many, many times. So uh, spot on, Dion, <laughs> spot on. Thanks a lot for the call. Mary in Elderberry, Missouri. Hey, Mary, what's up?
1: Oh, yeah. I was calling, pretending about the uh, postal department. I know just morning on the ABC TV that they were showing that some uh four different cities some yeah, um, i don't know if they're postal employed because they wanted to keep secret their identity but they had shot pictures of uh, four different uh, uh uh warehouses where all the um postal machinery are being put into oh really yeah wow. so i mean they didn't say what them had been destroyed yes yeah, uh, no not in missouri it was uh it didn't and uh, no, ABC didn't say the location that, uh, that they had ah. four different locations where um, reporters had found out from uh, uh, and you know, people that didn't want to tell who they were. And they showed pictures of the, uh, they opened the doors and they showed pictures of different machineries and different warehouses.
5: Yeah. These guys are on a terror. And it turns out that they've been on this terror apparently for the better part of two years that they've been uh-huh. destroying the post office, and uh, but slowly, steadily, and now you know DeJoy has sped it up because there's an election coming. Uh, but this is this is just uh, criminal. It's absolutely criminal. Mary, thank you for the call. Uh, along those same lines, Rich in Cathedral City, California, you have a question about this.
4: Tom, do we know how many machines DeJoy has destroyed? The uh
5: I have heard, I have heard fifty-six. I have heard sixty. I have heard over thirty. I've heard, you know, different numbers from different people. The post office has never issued a number and has not been transparent about this. Maybe we'll find out next week in the in the uh, hearings before the House and Senate. But that's all I've heard hope, so far, Rich.
2: I hope that's the main thing they're concerned with is stopping that and putting them putting them back in
4: place. Immediately. Well,
5: they're taking them apart. I mean, they're they're destroying these right. machines. They're taking them apart. I don't think there's any way any of these machines can be reinstalled in time for the election because some of these machines take you know six months to a year to install. They're huge, right. complicated pieces of equipment that, that are run by computer. You have to program the computers. They literally have cut you know big bundles of cables and things. Um, the the uh, vandalism that the Trump administration has perpetrated against the post office is breathtaking. It's absolutely breathtaking. No, and they had 671 of these machines slated to be destroyed. Apparently so far, they've only gotten 50 or 60 of them, but we don't know. We don't know. And we damn well better find out. Garrick in South Elgin, Illinois. Hey, Garrick, what's up? Hi, Tom. a oh, boy. You get all kinds. Okay. Anyway, you had uh, Rick Palace on earlier in the week, and I
9: heard him again last night on uh, Rick Unger's show. And in particular, uh, in regards to mail and ballots, he was talking about the envelope being pre-postage paid. Um, and he referred to, I believe he was uh, talking about when it goes through the through the distribution centers, pre-postage paid envelopes uh, take a different track than uh, envelopes that are that have
5: a
2: stamp. That have they have stamps a, on them.
5: Yeah, because stamp. they've got a barcode on the bottom, and that senses the barcode and it shoots it off to a separate machine. And so they'd never get postmarked. You're right. Right. So my
9: point is, those people that are going to wait to the last minute to mail their stuff in, it would be in their best interest to throw a few stamps on that envelope, even though it's already
5: paid. Won't make any difference it won't make any difference because the sorting you what what you would if you want to try and do that what you have to do is take a black pen and ruin that barcode on the bottom of of the envelope and then put stamps on it um but you know that's just gonna it's gonna create more work for the post office it may slow down your mail but that's the only way that i can think of because you've got to you've got to foil the machine and the machine is reading the barcode Thanks so much to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce Dance, uh, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercut, Patrick White, Geraldine Halbert, Dave Fulton, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, and Jabbermocky, who all work on this program. Thank you so much to our team, and thank you to you for being with us, for listening to us every week. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, and get out there, get active, tag, you're it, and get ready for the uh, crazy. On Monday, the RNC begins. Have a great weekend. Be good to yourself and those around you.
4: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.